Welcome to the Jesus Famous Youth Teachings Podcast. Our vision is to see Jesus famous in the lives of the youth of our church. We want to see youth have opportunities for them to come to know Jesus in a complete and whole way and be united together in love, and most importantly, strengthened in the moments of discouragement. Jesus Famous Youth meets on Tuesday nights at 6 p.m. and has a middle school program available on Sundays at 11 a.m. Now, let's get into our teaching. Philippians 2, 1 through 11. So if there's any encouragement in Christ, any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affection and sympathy, complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed upon him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Thanks, Kate. Go to last. <laughs> Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among, who you, among, among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast to the word of life, so that in the day of Christ I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain, even if I am to be poured out as a drink offer, offering upon the sacrificial offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. Likewise, you also should be glad and rejoice with me. All right, thanks, Lyle. Yeah. All right, verse 19, uh, 19 through 28, Ellie, go ahead. Okay. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that I too may be cheered by news of you. For I have no, or I have no one like him who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy's proven worth, uh, how as a son with a father, he has served with me in the gospel. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. I have thought it necessary to send you, um, yeah, (laughs) my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier and your messenger and minister to my need. Uh, For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him. Uh, Therefore, you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. Hmm. So, (laughs) Father, we uh, thank you for this night. We thank you for what we get to do here. Lord, as we get to open up your word and we get to study it and 
just kind of do this 30,000 foot view over the book of Philippians, um, Father, it's no less impactful. And so I do. I just ask, Spirit, that you would speak to the hearts and minds of every young person that's in this room, that there, there wouldn't be one kid uh, that leaves this place without um, just in some way knowing a little bit more about you, God, without some way them knowing a little bit more that you are an intimate God that loves them and cares for them. Thank you so much for Paul and the writings uh, that he, he gave us in the New Testament, this letter to the Philippians and how it challenges us to walk humbly. So, Father, we give you tonight, we ask that this time, that small groups would just be so blessed, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. All right, thanks, guys. Go ahead and grab a seat. Yeah, woo. All right, so as we enter chapter two, uh, if you remember last week and just how Paul started the letter to Philippians and really through it was, was in this place of encouragement to the, the church in Philippi, it's, it, I wasn't even going to ask. I wasn't going to ask. Um, but thank you for letting me know that she broke your pin. Okay, so, and then we step into this week. It's still encouragement, but what Paul is really admonishing the Philippian Christians to do is to live an unselfish life. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if you kind of think about, like, what we battle every day as Christians, you know, there's kind of this realm of, like, the flesh, the world, and Satan, right? Now, I don't think anybody in this room is important enough, including myself, that Satan himself has tempted you, okay? I don't think any of us is that important, including you, Charlie Mills. You're not that important, buddy. But, but like, they're the Satan, the against, the demonic realm. Then you have the world, which is just our culture. It's our secular society that we breathe in. Man, as we listen to secular music, as we watch secular YouTube, as we, as we watch secular movies, it's like entertainment. It's like we breathe that in. But then we have the flesh, and this is really what Paul is talking about tonight, the flesh being what you and I, just like what we're in, what we wake up in, when we go to bed in, when you're laying down your head before you go to sleep and your mind plays all the things you did that day. That's where the regrets come. Like, man, why did I say that? Crap, why did I wear what I wore today? Like, like your mind just goes, you know. This time of year, man, I, I go for most of the time of the year, my, my personality is a protagonist. Right? I'm kind of the, the like, leader and kind of the goofball, and like, I love people. And then camp season comes, and I turn into the executor. It's just like overnight, man. I'm just like, shut up. Don't talk to me. We have to do camp. Right? Like, it's just like, like I change. And it's, but it's in my flesh. I'm dealing with this. And this is where a lot of Christians kind of our daily struggle is. Yes, the world is there. The choices of what we listen to and watch and consume, you know, entertainment-wise, is always going to be there. And, and Satan is always going to be there. But his tactics, he's not very smart. It's just in essence, he knows what gets humans. But see, the flesh is where so much of our battle lies. And this is what Paul wants to admonish not just the Philippians, but us today in. And really, he gives us this chasm, this, this great divide between this thing called pride and this thing called humility. And if you were to look at pride and humility, literally they, literally they couldn't be more apart. They couldn't be more separate. They couldn't be more yin and yang, black and white, good and evil, as it were. And yet between humility and pride, between these, these great like, parts of our flesh, we're sitting in the middle and we're dealing with these things. We're fighting. We're struggling with these things. Now, pride, in essence, is literally the taproot of a tree that just produces every type of, like, selfish ambition you and I could ever come from. 
When a taproot is, tap is, is, when a tree grows, there's usually like one big root that just kind of goes down as deep as that tree can get it. And that taproot really is like the essence of what holds that tree up. And that's what pride is to all the things in our flesh that don't honor God, that disobey, that bring anger and bitterness and just and selfishness and envy and greed and gluttony and, and lust and all these things that, that we know don't honor God that we know don't benefit ourselves, we know don't benefit the community that we find ourselves in tonight. That's what pride is. And on the other side of that chasm, the other side of that canyon, what we have is humility. And humility is the taproot to that tree that literally grows all the spiritual fruit that, that God is calling us to. All the things of humility, all the things of humbleness, of meekness, of love, of selflessness, of giving of oneself, of a servant heart. Right, all grows from that tree of humility. That's what honors God. That's what brings wholeness and joy and peace to us as humans, as individuals. And that's what brings community and unity to a community like this. Where pride does nothing but tear down something what we have here tonight, like a youth group like we have, where humility does nothing but build it up. It brings health, where pride brings decay. And so Paul brings this to light because ultimately he wants you and I to come to this place of, of humility, this place of unselfish love. And we can claim this, you guys. As Christians, we find ourselves, yes, as humans, in the middle of this struggle daily. I mean, I don't know about you, but, but being prideful, being selfish, like, is really easy. <laughs> like, like, I don't have to struggle with, like, I don't have to, to try to be prideful, right? I don't have to try to, like, Want what Josh wants. Like that just comes really, really easy. But see, I have to struggle to be humble. It's a choice to walk with humility. It's a choice to let the spiritual fruit that God calls us to, like it's, that's a choice. We find ourselves in the middle, but see, the thing is as Christians, and what Paul wants us to understand today is that we can claim humility because we claim Jesus. See, so much of the world claims a false humility, and that false humility is even something that grows from that tree of pride. But see, as Christians, yes, like, could we struggle with false humility? Absolutely. But see, we can claim a true humility because we can claim Jesus. Because Jesus was true humility. And this is what Paul wants to bring us to tonight, that as he, as he admonishes the Philippians to live an unselfish life, he calls us to live as the church in the 21st century to live an unselfish life, to be a community of unselfish people because Jesus did, because he did it, because he lived this way, because he taught this way, because he in every way stopped from advancing himself. And when he, he chose to not advance himself but to live within that humility, God actually exalted him. And see, we see this beautiful example in Jesus that as he humbled himself, as he walked with meekness, he was raised up by the Father. And we see this over and over again through the church age as men and women in Christ, both men and women, lay themselves before Jesus and they, they lay in humility and meekness and servanthood. Jesus raises them up. They are exalted because of who God is and because of what Jesus did. What Paul wants to show us tonight, what I want you guys to grasp tonight is, is this kingdom that you and I are serving, Jesus' kingdom, is truly a kingdom in reverse. Where so much of the world says, no, you got to pick from that tree of pride to make it. you got to pick from that tree of pride to, to climb the ladder, to become more powerful, more popular, more whatever. When the fact is, knowing Christ, when we pick from that tree of humility, no, we're actually humbling ourselves. 
We're walking in a place of servanthood, and that's where we're exalted. That's where we're brought high. And so this kingdom in reverse, you guys, is something that doesn't come naturally. Pride comes naturally. But to live as Jesus lived, it becomes a choice and becomes a daily action and a daily, a daily habit that we have to build in our lives to be like Jesus in this way. C.S. Lewis, he wrote Narnia um, and a bunch of other books, but he wrote that pride is the mother hen under which all other sins are hatched. So it's in a sense where if pride was this, this hen just hatching eggs, every one of those eggs would just be the sin that just continues to grow, right, continues to, to be there. And it just does it naturally, just like we do. And so as we read through the scripture tonight, as we read through chapter 2 and we study through a couple points, what I want you to keep going back to is, man, like the things, the points that we're going to be making tonight are the choices that you and I get to make every day that we can claim humility because we claim Jesus. Okay? Does that make sense? You guys following along with me? Yeah? Good. If the middle schoolers boys say yes, then we're good. We're good, guys. All right. First point actually comes from Philippians chapter 2, verse 2, when he says, Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having same love, being one in spirit and one of mind. Okay? So my first point is, is basically that uniters spread joy. Uniters spread joy. And this is not um, a false joy. This is not a happiness. Now, happiness comes and goes, right? You guys are teenagers, you get high highs, especially you teenage girls, and you get low lows, right? That happiness is just kind of this roller coaster, right? Don't shake your head at me, Danya. It's true, right? Like the fact is there's high highs and low lows, all right? Me, I am so angry and so low, and then I get a double-double, and I'm so high. It's so good, right? It's so, like, I'm so happy. I mean, those 40 grams of protein, man, I'm just like, I'm good. Happiness comes and goes. It's, it's, it's just an emotion, but see, uniters and being united in Christ, like Philippians 2, 2 says, that may your joy be complete, being like-minded, having same love, being in one spirit and one mind. When we're united in that, in Christ, we bring joy, we spread joy. Now, what is the evidence that someone or a group of people like this tonight are united in Christ? What is some evidence of this? If a new person were to walk into this youth group and to see, like, what this is about, well, one of the things is that we have a complete joy. Right? As a Christian, you don't have this happiness, this emotion that comes and goes, but you have a true contentness in Jesus. Right? It's being content. That joy comes when we choose to be content in Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean life is easy. That doesn't mean it's always going to be rainbows and sunshine. Right? It's going to be unicorn poop and whatever. Right? Like, what it means is that through the trials of life, through whatever comes, there's a joy. There's just an understanding that there's a joy. And so when somebody comes into a community of, with, that is united together and united mainly in Christ, what they should see is that there's a true joy. There's just a contentment and contentness in life. Number two there, that they're like-minded. Now, the fact is within a room like this with this many kids, there's going to be different opinions on things, right? And we call those, let's say, gray, gray areas, right? There, there's going to be different opinions on politics and and certain social justice issues and things happening in our day, sure, okay? But when we find a like-mindedness in the true theology of Jesus Christ, right? True gospel, true theology, like the Bible, right? When we find like-mindedness in that, that's evidence that, that, that we are in this place of joy. That's evidence that we are complete and like-minded in Jesus. And number three, there, there, three, there's an unconditional love. Like there's not a conditional love. Like when someone comes into this youth room, Right? And into this youth group, do they feel like, man, I can get love from people if I give love? 
right? I can get something from these people, but only if I give something up. Or do they just come in here going, no, like, like these people like truly care about me. They, they truly love me. They, they truly like care about who I am and what I'm dealing with and what life, and I don't have to give anything in return. See, this is what Christ offers us. And so, and in, 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 in likewise, we offer it to anyone that comes in here as a community. Also, you guys, we offer it to each other, right? Like Christians can be the most hypocritical in this because we look loving. We want people to feel like when they come into our youth group or our churches that, that we're really loving. But then are we truly being loving to each other? You know, when you look, like if some of you guys over here look across the room or some of you guys over here look across the room, do you guys know each other's names, all you guys, right? When you look across the room, is there somebody that you don't know, right? In the middle here, like, like if you look around, is there somebody that you don't know? Maybe change that, right? Maybe go, okay, like, what's your name? <laughs> what's your name? <laughs> all right. The thing is, guys, like, like we need to show that unconditional love to each other. This is evidence that, that we are like-minded in spirit and in mind with Christ. Last one there, number four, that we're walking in the spirit. This is another pr- proof that, that we are pulling from that tree of humility because the spiritual fruit is just evident in who we are. Man, like, like we as a, as a community, you as an individual can taste of that spiritual fruit when you come to youth group, when you hang out with other Christians, when you come to church. And someone that walks in here is going to also benefit from tasting of those spiritual fruit because we are producing it. Because we're choosing to, to, to nourish and to pull from that tree of humility rather than pride. My next point comes from verses 3 and 4 where it says, do, not, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility Value others above yourself, not looking to your own interests, but each other of each, I'm sorry, but each of you in the interest of others. Now, this point brings that God calls us humbly to love and serve others, okay? God calls us humbly to love and serve others. This is a choice, right? Like, this is a daily choice to love and serve others. We like to be served. We like when people pat us on the back and give us some, some like, good, you know, kudos and, like, man, you're just this awesome person. I love your outfit. And, man, like, like you know, they like your Instagram, whatever. But they, it's so much more than to unselfishly uh, and humbly serve others. Right? That's a choice. And so why is it important for Christian individuals and communities to act like Jesus? Why is it important? Well, it's important because we represent. Are we okay, guys? There's like a lot happening here. Oh, it's okay, Junie. That's okay, Junie. It's okay. All right. Shh. All right, guys. Focus up here. If you're like rowdy, you got something going on, just like lay it down right now. Put your water balls down. Just like focus here. We've got like 10 more minutes for you guys. The fact is, you guys, that God calls us humbly to love and serve others. Now, it's important for individuals and communities to act like Jesus in this way because we represent a lifestyle that is attractive to a world who does not know Jesus. See, it's important that we represent Jesus in this way, in a humble servitude and love for one another, because ultimately, you guys, we represent Jesus. That's what the church is. The church isn't just some social community or social club for kids to come hang out or adults to congregate, right? Like, like that's not what the church is for. The church isn't to, to like, you know, fill every seat on Sunday and count the numbers and have really cool potlucks and eat together. Like, those are all good things, right? But the church is, is a representation of Jesus' character to the world. This has always been God's people. 
You look at the Old Testament, as God called the Jewish people out of slavery, their job now was to represent God's character to a pagan culture in Canaan. That was their job. That's why God had the Ten Commandments over them. That's why he told them to live a certain way, worship a certain way, because their lives was to be a representation of God's character to a Canaan world. The church is no different today. God has called you out of sin. He has saved you. He has set you apart and made you holy. Now you as an individual and as a community, our job is to represent Jesus' character to the world. That's what it's about, you guys. See, humility values others over above yourself, okay? The second part of verse 3 there where it says, rather in humility, value others above yourself. See, this is such a key value, you guys, such a key point to what it means to be a thriving Christian community is that others are valued above ourselves, right? If you start putting yourself above others or putting others down and you feel like you're better than others, check yourself there. Because more than likely, you're just walking in the flesh and you're pulling from that tree of pride rather than from that tree of of humility because humility will value others above your values. But pride puts others' values below yours. All right, next point comes from verses 13 uh, 13 and, uh, yeah, 12 and 13. Therefore, my dear friend, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Verse 13, for it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Now, what this tells us is that sacrificial love is the result of God working in us. So as we move in this place of of humility and we move in this place of serving God, what you're going to see is this sacrificial love. And that is evident not just to the world around you, but evident to you that God is working in you. When you can sacrificially love people around you, unconditionally love people around you, even people that are just hard to love. And don't get me wrong, guys, I'm in ministry. We say it's just one awkward moment to the next as you just deal with awkward people, right, and awkward situations and hard things. And yet the thing is, I know that Jesus is working in me because I can continue to love people past that difficult situation, past the thing that they're struggling with, the addiction, the the pride, whatever's happening in their life, the fact is I can continue to love them like Jesus, and that's evidence not just to them, but to myself that God is doing and working in me because I couldn't do that on my own. If I was sitting over here and just eating from the tree of pride, I couldn't love people. You guys, I've been a youth pastor for a long time. I couldn't keep doing this if I was just eating from the tree of pride every day. It wouldn't work. I would have burned out a long time ago. I would have punched some kid, and it would have been all over, right? I just would have been, yeah, it just wouldn't have worked, right? I've never wanted to punch anybody in here. Um, I think the last kid I wanted to punch was Keanu, if you guys remember him. But uh, <laughs> I love Keanu, but I wanted to punch him. Okay, um, sacrificial love, you guys. Now, how do we know what sacrificial love is and if our lives are showing it? How do we know? Well, first, being united with Jesus and his sacrificial love for you. So the first part is knowing and understanding how much Jesus loves you, how much of his sacrifice has been stowed upon you. You guys, this is the first part. You can't give something away that you don't have. So if you don't have an understanding of Jesus' sacrificial love for you, you can't give it away to other people. You can't. And so we have to come to an understanding of knowing and understanding Jesus' sacrificial love. And how do we do that? By, By getting to know him, guys. By, by reading your Bible, by praying, by just spending some time with him and getting to know this Savior that says he loves you so much. 
If all your faith is is coming to youth group and singing the songs and listening to Josh talk and chilling through small groups, that's not much of a faith. That's a pretty shallow faith, and it's going to be rocked sooner or later. But see, if your faith is based in the fact that you know Jesus because you read the Bible, because you pray, because you spend time with him, you allow him time in your heart, if that's what your faith is based in, that's a deep faith. And that will not be rocked easily, you guys. So first, you have to understand and know Jesus' sacrificial love for you. And second, the evidence will be in your love and sacrifice for those around you. This is such a litmus test, you guys, such an acid test for your maturity in Christ. How do you deal with and how do you love the most difficult people around you, the people that annoy you, the people that you struggle with, that you're different from? Do you love them like Jesus or do you love them like meh, right? This is such an acid test because this will tell where you're at with your maturity. When you deal with a difficult person, when you deal with somebody that you don't really know or that's very different from you and you can continue to show them a genuine love, not just because they're human and made in God's image, but because Jesus died for them as he died for you, that shows a true maturity. All right, number four, you guys, or point four, comes in verse 15. It says, so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault and a warped and crooked generation, then you will shine among them like stars in the sky. You gotta love Paul's, you know, analogy here that you'll shine like a star in the sky. I had to say, I shine like a star when I look out for the needs of others, right? I had to say it. And basically, what makes you shine brighter than Jesus? The answer is nothing. I mean, I don't care if you're the highest paid supermodel with the, in the most chic magazine or runway. I don't even know what that world is, but like, I don't care if you're the highest paid, best looking person out there and you're shiny as heck, it doesn't matter. I don't care if your dress was the top of the line at the gala or whatever one of those stupid things are that they go to. Like, I don't, I don't care if it was made out of pure diamonds. I don't care if you're shiny as the rock's bald head on, like, it doesn't matter, right? It doesn't matter. No matter how shiny you think you can get with money or power or popularity or fame or, or whatever, you will never shine more than when you are working for Jesus. You can be in a ditch in the middle of Ukraine, digging a pipeline for a church and covered in mud and, and just like be more shiny, you guys, than the shiniest supermodel out there. Right? You could be serving people at a Tijuana dump that, that are scarred and broken from digging through the trash and you will be shining so much more than the, the most, you know, shiny, you know, entertainer out there. The fact is, guys, when you choose to serve Jesus, yes, and those are, those are big examples, when you just choose to serve Jesus in your everyday life, you will shine like the stars of heaven is what Paul says here. It's such an analogy, but it's so true. The most beautiful people I've ever met in my life are men and women who, who just have dedicated their life to Jesus. The example of serving food at the Tijuana dump, that was back in 2018. Last time we went to Mexico, um, our high school was one of the days we went to the Tijuana dump. And there's literally tent cities, people who have just built these ramshackle houses all around the dump because all day, 24 hours a day, these trucks come in and just dump trash. And as soon as they dump trash, man, these people are digging through looking for copper and aluminum, plastic, anything they can sell to make some money. And you guys, these people, they're, at, and they're, they're either dirt poor living there or they don't want to be found, right? These type of people, they're, they're, they're not all good people. 
But see, they're scarred from the battery acid and the chemicals that they're digging through, and, and they're basically homeless. And so we show up there, and this guy that took us, his name was Carlos, gang member from youth, grew up in Tijuana, spent 35 years in the Tijuana prison, found Jesus, or Jesus found him, and then when he got out, he serves Jesus. That's all he does. He became a pastor, became a missionary that, that serves through Calvary Chapel Rosarito, and like, in every way, he just serves Jesus. He goes back and teaches Bible studies at the Tijuana prison. And man, this guy, he, led, he was leading us out in the middle of nowhere. And I'm like, we're dead. He's going to kill us. He let me drive, actually. He said I drove like a Mexican. So I guess that's a good thing. I don't know. But like, it was just like in, in Mexico, in Mexico. So a little bit different. If you've ever driven in Mexico, it's, it's a little bit different. Okay. The thing is, but as I look at our youth and it's it's, it's 110 degrees, the wind is blowing, and a dump, you guys. It's sweaty and stinky, and these people are just, I mean, they, they just, they, they look like you would, it just, you'd have to see it to believe it. I have to see it to understand it. But, but when we're serving them food, and I look at these youth, and they're scared, and they're intimidated, but they're shining for Jesus. They're shining because they've just chosen to serve Jesus in an intimate and real and sacrificial way, you guys. Last point comes in verse 21 where it says, for everyone looks out for their own interest, not those of Jesus Christ. See, I, as I started this sermon, it's easy to be in pride, isn't it? It's easy for us. It's easy for us to look out for our self-interest. It just is. But see, not those in Christ, Paul says. See, when you look out, when you look out for your own interests, um, or when you look out for the interests of others, you look out for the interests of Christ. When you choose to live a sacrificial life, what you're saying is, Jesus, I'm choosing to look out for the things that you want me to look out for. See, why is it important to see those around us as Jesus sees them, you guys? Why is it important to love others and be sacrificial to those around us? Because then we see their real needs and brokenness. See, through yours and I's eyes, young Christians, through yours and I's um, just understanding of reality and people, we just see people. We do. We judge a book by its cover. We do. That's what humans do. But see, when we see people as Jesus sees them, when we're not just looking out for our own interests, but for Jesus' interests in those people, that he loves them, he cares for them, he wants them in this kingdom, he wants them to be saved. When we see a person in that way, what we see is their true needs. We see their true brokenness. Timothy Keller would say that it's the reason behind the reason. Right? They're not just depressed because they're depressed. They're not just broken because they're broken. They don't just cut themselves because they like it but there's a reason behind this. And see, if we're just looking through our eyes, we'll never see it, guys. We won't. But if we see them as Jesus sees them, we see the true need and brokenness. We see that maybe someone does need a home or they need food or they need a blanket, right? Or they need prayer. Yeah, those are all good things. But when we see the true brokenness, maybe they need a true spiritual revival within themselves. Maybe they need deliverance from some type of spiritual oppression. Maybe there's a habit in their life that they've never told anybody and they keep dark and secret in a closet somewhere. See, but we'll never see those things if we see them through our eyes. We have to be looking out for the interest of Jesus in those people. This was Paul's heart. I mean, we see it in his life, don't we? We see it in his missionary journeys. We see it in every one of the churches that he planted. We, see, we saw it in his disciple, Timothy. We see it through, through the New Testament. And the church hasn't changed. See, the church is impactful, you guys, when we look out for the interest of Jesus. When we're looking out for our own interests, just the growth of a church, just the popularity of a church, right, the how do we fit into our society type church, there's just no impact. 
That's all it is. It's just a building with people that come on Sunday. But see, when we're a church, when we're a youth group that looks out for the interests of, of people as Jesus did, man, that's where there's impact. That's when there's life change. That's when there's young men and women just like yourselves who say, I will serve Jesus. My life will be for Jesus, not my own. So as we finish this up, you guys, a couple applications for you. The first one is spread joy by spreading God's love to somebody today. Just start with that. Maybe you don't feel very joyful. You're kind of living off that happiness emotion where it's high and low and all over the place. Well, just start with spreading some joy. Tell people about Jesus. Tell people about your faith. What was the best part of your week this week? I went to youth group and I worshiped God. Tell that to a non-Christian. See what they say. <laughs> like, see what happens. If you go to a public school, when they ask you tomorrow, what happened last night? I went to the youth group and I worshiped Jesus. Okay, what is that? <laughs> like, they may not get it, but you're spreading joy. Right, start with that. Number two there, thank God for Christ's model of humility. See, like I said before, we as Christians can claim humility because Christ is, a, is because we claim Christ. And so thank him for giving us that example. He was, like, guys, I don't want to get into the theology of it, but, like, the fact is, fully God, fully man, did not have to be humble, right? Could just, like, be like, no, I'm done with humans, bam, and we're gone. Like, no more, poof, we're done, okay? That's not our God. That's not Jesus. So thank him for that humility because that humility, we can claim that because he claims us. Number three there, with humble attitude and acts of love, seek to repair the strained relationships in your life. See, it starts with you and I. It starts just in your intimate circle of, of, of influence. I'm sure you can look around your sphere. I'm sure you can look around the people you interact with every day and, and basically like, man, like I've strained some relationships. Now, a key to this, don't look at them and go like they strained this relationship. That will never work. <laughs> look at it and go, where did I strain this relationship? Where did I break something? Where did I act pridefully? Where did I act out of arrogance? Where did I not act loving? And then do the best of your ability to repair that. And don't do it for your own glory, but do it for the glory of Jesus. I'd encourage you guys, start with the body of Christ. If there's even somebody in this room, in this youth group that's offended you, or you feel like you've offended them, make that right. Like start right now and watch how that grows through outside of your church, outside of your church community, into your home, into your school. And you can't help but then continue to live at peace with people around you to the best of your ability because you're choosing to live like Jesus. Lastly, honor people who go the second mile, okay? Verse 29, you guys, if you look back at verse 29, what he says there is, is so, um, so then welcome him and the Lord with great joy and honor people like, like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourself could not give. See, the thing is, you may look around this room and maybe you know some brothers or sisters in Christ who are, are going that extra mile. Like, maybe you know some young Christians that are just like, you admire their faith. You admire how they serve Jesus, how they worship. Don't shy away from that person. Don't be like, that's the weird Christian kid. Even youth groups have weird Christian kids. I know, I get it, right? But see, don't shy away from that person, but like, go to them and go, hey, like, your faith really encourages me. How you worship Jesus, it just seems authentic. Like, like that encourages me. Don't think like, like the secular world thinks where it's like that Christian kid, he's weird. Like, or she's weird. Like admonish and go to them and be encouraged by them and, and actually honor that person for being that. And ultimately, like live your life like them then. Worship Jesus like them. Look to them in that way.
So as we finish this, as you guys go to small groups, remember what I want you guys to get is this understanding that that pride and humility, they're so different. They are so opposite spectrums of what it means to be human, yet this is going to be where your battle is most of your life, is right here between being, being prideful or walking in humility. And yet, young Christians, we can claim humility. We can walk in that daily because of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And, and you don't have to walk in that pride. You don't have to taste of that. You have a choice. And so, Father, I just thank you so much for this night. And pray that small groups would just be really blessed. It would be a great time of talking and just walking through this, this message together. So, Jesus, we give you glory. We give you praise in your name. Amen. Thanks for listening. We hope to see you at Youth Group on Tuesdays at 6 p.m. If you'd like more information about JFY or have a question, reach out to us at joshuas at calvary.com or DM us on Instagram at ymcalvary.